homily for the Solemnity of Christ the King Sunday. St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks, November 22nd, 2020. For many of us, 2020 has been a trying year. Personally, there are a lot of people dear to me whom the Lord has called from this life to his side. Thankfully, relatively few of our parishioners are among that number, but in the last two months, in addition to Monsignor Singer's funeral and rugby, I have attended the funerals in my hometown of my own father, of Monsignor Jeffrey Wald, and another priest of our diocese, Monsignor Val Gross. Monsignor Val was six months older than my dad, lived on a farm three miles away from him, and attended the same one-room schoolhouse and rural parish. My dad once said that he knew from the very start that he wanted to farm, and Val knew from the start that he didn't. Many people in the diocese got to know Monsignor Val when he was the rector at Cardinal Mench Seminary in the late 70s and 80s. He finished there a year before I started there as a seminarian. Our paths really intersected in the summer of 1998, when as a transitional deacon, I was assigned to serve at St. Anne and Joachim. Monsignor Val became their founding pastor three years prior. It was a unique setting to be in a brand new parish community, and I learned a lot from him. He introduced me that first weekend by saying, Around here we get them by the gross. I was honored to have Monsignor preach the homily at my Mass of Thanksgiving the next year. Monsignors Val Gross and Wenlin Vetter were childhood friends who worked closely together their whole active presbyterate and carried out heavy responsibilities with integrity and grace. I liked to refer to them as the Jedi Council. Even when they weren't officially in charge of certain things in the Diocese of Fargo, they essentially were. Things needed to receive their stamp of approval in order to take place, due to their excellent leadership qualities. They both represented a past generation that made an enormous impact on the proclamation of the gospel in our diocese, and we do well to recognize their love for Christ in honoring them. Monsignor Val had a very large relation of nieces and nephews. There were 77 of them. And he said that there were many who asked him to preside at their weddings and baptize their children. He joked that he could have been employed full-time as a family chaplain. I ask you to pray for the consolation of all who mourn his passing. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May his soul and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. The official title of today's feast, the final Sunday in the season of ordinary time, is Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. The, king, the idea of kingship is somewhat unfamiliar to us in America, and for good reason. Our founding fathers wanted to distance themselves from the trappings of monarchy, not only because of the tyrannical abuses of King George VI, but in order to pursue a very different form of governance. Because of this, I think we Americans often picture ancient or medieval examples 
when we imagine a king or queen. Those images can stand in the way of getting to the heart of what we mean in the church by Jesus' reign as king. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God foreshadowed in today's first reading how he intended to shepherd the people of Israel. When Jesus spoke of himself as the good shepherd, these are exactly the images to which he was referring. This metaphor of Christ as shepherd is not aimed at demeaning us with the designation of sheep, but rather is a pledge of the Lord's constancy. He is not asleep at the wheel. He will never leave us in peril. Then we have the parable in today's gospel. Jesus expands on the criteria by which the shepherd will sort out the sheep from the goats. Here's the primary question I believe Jesus answered in this parable. What did Jesus prioritize as king? Was he seeking to retreat into the luxury of a castle, undisturbed by the world and its problems? Quite the opposite. Jesus made the plight of the least of our brothers and sisters his own. Do we realize how radical this position is? Whatsoever we do to the least among us and refuse to do in helping them, there are two sides to the coin after all, we do to Christ himself. St. Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuit religious order, offered a famous reflection on today's gospel. Imagine, he said, a king who is recruiting people to come along in his company. The king declared that those who would accompany him had to be content with eating what he ate, sleeping where he slept, etc. Now there are those who would be tempted to conclude, hey, no problem, first class living all the way. They are picturing gourmet meals and champagne every day, servants at their beck and call, and heaven only knows what else. But Jesus flipped that upside down. What he's saying is that we need to endure deprivations and suffering in this life out of love for God in order to behold him face to face in heaven. We do not deny the theological points of Christ as a divine person and the Father's only begotten Son. However, the Lord humbled himself so as to raise us up. In short, Jesus chose to be the kind of king whom we encounter in the poor, the ill, and the imprisoned. It is his face we behold in the hungry, thirsty, and poorly clothed, even when their behavior is crude and unrefined. This way of relating to our Savior frames our understanding of charitable giving. Our motive is not only to assist the recipient of our alms or to demonstrate to the public that we're not selfishly squirreling away every penny. It is to seek and find Jesus in, as Mother Teresa of Calcutta worded it, his most distressing disguises. It is to generously share within the human family what ultimately belongs to God anyway. God will never punish us for our largesse even if the one to whom we give it should happen to misuse or waste it. St. Basil, a bishop in the 4th century and one of the members of our Wall of Fame in the north transept of the church, had some provocative things to say about seeing Christ in others. I'm going to paraphrase his statement here, but this is in effect what he said. 
How blessed we should be when the poor ask for our help, and when they come to our door instead of us being obliged to go to theirs. But you are ill-tempered and unapproachable. You avoid meeting an unfortunate person on the street for fear that you would need to open your purse strings even a little. You say, I do not have much. I am only a poor person. A poor person you certainly are, lacking in the greatest gifts. You are poor in faith and love for God, as well as solidarity with his children. Our Lord Jesus Christ is indeed King of the universe, including everything that lofty title implies. But that does not mean he is king only of the so-called 1%. Jesus delights in being the king of any and all who will love him and love our neighbor. Amen.